There are lots of times in our lives when we need someone to do something on our behalf. It might be someone to come and do a job for us that we can't do ourselves. When you're buying a house, you need a solicitor to do all the legal stuff that's involved. And usually when you want to see a medical specialist, you need to get a referral from a doctor. Or it may be that we've got a damaged relationship with someone, maybe a friend, and we're not talking to each other. And we ask another friend to help us mend that friendship by approaching them and talking to them first. There's lots of times when we reach out to others to help us, to intercede for us. Now in Israel, the high priest was the one who would intercede between the people and God. Jesus, here in this passage, is called the great high priest. This is another name he's been given. So far, he's been called the Messiah and Lord of Lords. Now he's the great high priest. And today we're going to unwrap this and look at why Jesus is a better high priest than those who have gone before him. And I'm going to look at that with two points today. What is a high priest? And Jesus, the high priest. We'll explore the differences between the high priests of Israel and Jesus, the great high priest. So let's start with the first point. What is a high priest? What do they do? What was their role in the community? Most of us have probably seen movies with the evil high priest, priest trying to cut the hearts out of the heroes. And the most annoying Indiana Jones movie comes to mind. If you've seen it, you'll know which one I mean. The Temple of Doom. And I'm sure the only dialogue that Kate Capshaw had to learn was how to scream. The high priest puts Indy into a trance so that he'll cut the heart out of Kate Capshaw's character, Willie. You almost wish she did. But of course, that didn't happen. Now, the high priests of ancient Israel weren't trying to cut anyone's heart out. But they were responsible for the sacrifices offered to God. Sacrifice, it wasn't some willy-nilly thing that happened on a whim of the high priest. Sacrifice was to happen at set times or for particular reasons. And if we look into the first seven chapters of Leviticus, we can see what they were. There was the burnt offering, which could be a herd or a flock animal, a bull, a sheep or a goat. Or if you couldn't afford those, it could be a bird, it could be a dove or a pigeon. This was the most extravagant offering as the whole thing was given to God. There was the grain offering, which was an offering of fine flour or unleavened bread, baked goods, mixed with oil. A handful was 
burnt in the altar fire, and the rest went to the priests. Another sacrifice was the well-being or fellowship offering. Once again, this was a, a herd or a flock animal. The fat, kidneys and part of the liver were burnt in the fire. But most of the animal was eaten and divided between the priests and the offerer. Sin and purification dealt with the disruption of the relationship between man and God. What was offered depended on the status of the person. The high priest had to offer a bull. Ordinary Israelites offered a goat or a lamb. Or if you were poor, you could offer a bird or even one of flour. And the final sacrifice was the guilt offering. This was to deal with the unintentional sin in regard to God's holy things. These were to be a flock animal, and its innards were burnt on the fire and the rest eaten by the priests. As we can see, there are different reasons for the sacrifices, and there was also different festivals where offerings were to be made. But none of these offerings were DIY. You had to have a priest there to make the offering for you. Only the priest could offer it up to God. And only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies once a year to make the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. The Israelites had to have the priests as the ones to go between them and God. This was somewhat for practical reasons, as the priests knew exactly what was required for each sacrifice. That's what they'd been trained for, how to perform the sacrifice, what parts of the animal to sacrifice, what parts to keep for themselves. Now, officiating at sacrifices and feast days and so forth are the official duties of the high priest. There's also the more human side, or what we might call pastoral care. Let's have a look at Hebrews 5 verse 1. Every high priest, every, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters relate, related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. We can see that he, he is to represent the people in matters relating to God and for sacrifice. But it's the first part of this that I want to look at. He's selected from among the people. He is one of them. Now, he's not some super Israelite who's better than all the others so that he can be the high priest. Let's look at what the next verse says about them. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. And it's because he is one of them that he can understand and minister to them. He understands their temptations. He knows what they go through in their life. He knows he should deal gently with them. 
because he is the same. As we saw in verse 1, the high priest is selected from among the people. He's one of them. But verse 4 tells us that no one takes the honour of being a high priest on themselves. They are called by God, just like Aaron, the first high priest. We've now looked at what the high priest did. He represented the people in matters relating to God, to offer gifts and sacrifice for their sin. And then there was the pastoral calling to the people. These are the things the high priests of old did for the people. Now I want to have a look at Jesus as our high priest. And what we'll see is a lot of similarities. But we'll also see how Jesus as high priest does all, he does all the things the others did. But he does them better. Now, I had a skin cancer cut out recently, and I mentioned it to uh, one of our 5 pm elders, Lloyd Courtney. And he said that he was a bit of an amateur surgeon, and he'd cut it out for me. Now, I thought about this, not for very long, and politely refused, particularly when he said, that he wasn't sure of what the outcome would be. So I said I would stick to having a qualified doctor do the surgery and have it done properly. And as we look at Jesus as our high priest, we'll see the similarities between him and the ones who went before. But we'll see that Jesus is so much better. Now, something must be a little different since Jesus became our great high priest. You may have noticed that we don't sacrifice any bulls, sheep, goats, doves or pigeons at any of our services. Why don't we have animal sacrifice anymore? It's not because we don't want Holly to have to clean up the mess on the Monday morning. It's because we don't need it anymore. Jesus has taken away the need to continually sacrifice animals. He became the final sacrifice that was needed when he was crucified on the cross. He was perfect. He was sinless. There was no need for any more sacrifice. Jesus is able to take our sin. Past, present, and future, all through that one sacrifice on the cross. It's an everlasting sacrifice that requires no repetition through Jesus, through our great high priest. Our sins are forgiven and we are saved. That's the difference between Jesus and the other high priests. But the difference is that Jesus is the sacrifice. Both involve sacrifice. The earlier high priests had to continually sacrifice animals for sin. They even had to sacrifice a bull for their own sin first. But we don't have to do this because Jesus was the sacrifice for our sin. 
In the old days, the sacrifices had to be done continually. Jesus was our sacrifice once and for all. We don't need anything else. Just Jesus. Now we'll have a look at another similarity between Jesus and the earlier high priests. We looked at chapter 5 verse 2 and saw that because the high priests were from among the people, they were able to understand them and pastorally work with them. They understood their weaknesses because they suffered from those weaknesses as well. Let's have a look at chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. We can see that Jesus can empathise with our weaknesses and that because he was born and grew up as one of us, Jesus faced all those temptations that we face. But unlike us, unlike the high priests that went before him, he didn't fall to sin. Jesus remained sinless. But he understands the temptations that we face. And another similarity with the other high priests. Except they weren't sinless. They could understand the temptations the people faced, but unlike Jesus, they succumbed to those temptations as well. The other similarity with Jesus, the high priest and the other high priests, is that they were all appointed by God. In the beginning of verse 5 we see, in the same way Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. God appoints all high priests, including Jesus. But once again, there's a difference. Let's look at chapter 5, verse 6. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever, in the order of Melchizedek. So is this something like receiving the order of Australia, order of the garter, order of the bath? Is it like being part of the Benedictine order or the Franciscan order of monks? What is a Melchizedek? Well, it's not a what, but a who. Now, if we flip over to Hebrews chapter 7, it tells us who Melchizedek is. Now, he lived in the time of the patriarch Abraham. He was the king of Salem, which was eventually to become Jerusalem. He was also a priest of God Most High. Now Abraham met Melchizedek after he defeated a bunch of kings. Melchizedek went and met him and blessed him. So Abraham gave him a tenth of everything he'd taken in battle. And this became the basis for the Israelite priests, collecting a tenth from the people. Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness. He's also the, the king of Salem, which means king of peace. Let's have a look at Hebrews 7 verse 3. Without father or mother, without genealogy, 
without beginning of days or end of life. Resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Melchizedek has no mother or father, no beginning, no end. He remains a priest forever. And as it says, resembling the Son of God, resembling Jesus. This is why the author of Hebrews says that Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek and not Aaron. The similarities are the same. They're both high priests forever. They're both kings and priests. Jesus is the king and high priest of God's kingdom. Now, we don't know what happened to Melchizedek, but we know that Jesus is still our high priest. Unlike the high priests of Aaron's line, who, like us, die, Jesus continues forever. We can see that Jesus, while similar to the early high priests, he isn't the same. The priests that came before offered sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice. The old priests could understand and pass to the people because they were from the people. They sinned the same as the people and were under temptation. Jesus grew up as one of the people. He was tempted like them, but he didn't give in to temptation. He was perfect. The other high priests died when their time came. Jesus lives forever as our great high priest forever. Now, we've unwrapped great high priest as the name of Jesus today. But how does that fit in with a baby being born in Bethlehem? Now, if we look back at Isaiah chapter 9, we can see that Jesus, he's given a lot of names, isn't he? but not great high priest. Though this is where it begins, at his birth. Jesus is born as one of us. He grows up as one of us. He's tempted as one of us. But not being overcome by that temptation. This allows him to understand us through that temptation so that Jesus can fulfil the pastoral role of the high priest and eventually be the sacrifice for our sin. Christmas is the starting point for Jesus to become great high priest. And as I've said, there are a lot of similarities between Jesus and the earlier priests. But they aren't the same. What does it mean for us to have Jesus as our great high priest? Apart from the obvious, that we don't have any more messy animal sacrifices. We don't have a priest here on earth that we have to go through to have a relationship with God. Where is our priest? Well, let's look at Hebrews 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's with God. And it's because of this, we have a direct hotline to God. We don't need anyone else to do this 
because Jesus is our great high priest forever. And he's with God. He is God. And it's because of this, we can hold firmly to our faith. Jesus is not like all the earthly high priests who've gone before. Who, like us, are human. Who will sin like us and die like us. Jesus is our great high priest forever. Jesus, he's given us the hope of resurrection. That we too will be raised and have our place with him. In John 14, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going away to prepare prepare a place for them. A place in his father's house. A place in heaven. This is why we need to hold firmly to what we believe. That Christmas with the birth of Jesus was the start of his road to sacrifice on the cross, to becoming our great high priest. We need to hold on firmly to the knowledge that our great high priest, Jesus, knew temptation and knows what we all go through. That he was the blameless sacrifice for our sin. And that he's our great high priest forever. And that he has prepared a place for us with him in heaven. Jesus is the better high priest. Jesus is the forever high priest. And Jesus is the perfect high priest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Help us to see that Jesus was born for this role of great high priest. Help us to see that even though he lived amongst us and was tempted into sin, he remained sinless, so that when he went to the cross, we could see that he was that sinless, perfect sacrifice. That on the cross, he made all other sacrifices unnecessary. And that through this time on earth, the sacrifice and finally his resurrection, he becomes our great high priest who intercedes for us with God. This is your redemption and salvation, Father, through Jesus. Amen.